Hey, everybody. Happy Thursday. Welcome to the Art Fight Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Nolan. I'm here with Brian Siskin. How's it going, Brian? It's going great, man. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm having a great uh, great week. It's a beautiful evening here in Nashville. The sun, the sun is setting outside my window. You can see this beautiful light coming here. It's kind of like a Robert Richardson scene. Like It's a beautiful <laughs> uh, it's an Oliver Stone movie right here right now. <laughs> um, and, uh, and we're looking forward to a big weekend of fights, UFC 250. Five four is that the number it is? Oh. So Gaethje versus um, Khabib will be on this weekend. But this show uh, this week, not so much about fights, but more about the art part of it. We're happy to be joined here by a uh, contemporary painter based here in Nashville, Sam Dunson. How are you doing? Hey, I'm doing fine. That's, uh, I'm on that Khabib too. <laughs> yeah, all right. Yeah, Sam, yeah glad, Sam, to, uh, glad to be with y'all. Yeah, that's great, man. Uh, so Sam, you and I have known each other for a long time. I really, yeah. you know, people who don't live in Nashville don't, you know, sort of understand the recent history of the art scene here, but it was really sort of in the late nineties, early two thousands yeah. that, uh, that a real legit contemporary art scene really started to blossom after lots of people for lots of years did lots of work to, to, to you know, sow those seeds and, and till that yeah. soil before finally there was a kind of a critical mass that started to happen and, and a, a real, you know, contemporary art scene started to, to blossom here in Nashville. And right, you know, around that same time, the Nashville scene started covering visual arts in a more serious mm -hmm. way. And just there's, it was, it's really been interesting to see all these different ways the community has sort of, um, you know, uh, all these different factions have sort of contributed to the point where now Nashville has this art scene that, you know, it's getting written up in places like Arts in America and Arts right. Forum and, uh, and, you know, it's being recognized, you know, in the national press as like not just a city where we have country music, but a city yep. where we also have a visual art scene. And Sam, you, you've been a big part of this, uh, partly as an educator and partly as an artist. Uh, you have a show I want to talk about that's coming up at Reimer Gallery this month. Yep. Um, there's a yep. lot going on with you. And you and I actually tried to do an Instagram a few months back. We would sort of taken a, a little bit of a pause on the art for right. podcast right at the beginning of the of the the pandemic. And during that time, I was sort of just flirting with the idea of doing some Instagram live chats with people. And you and I tried to get on then to talk about. Uh, David Driscoll, uh, who's right. an artist and also an art historian, who is a great champion of African American art in America. Like in the last half of the 20th century, he was the person who's saying there's a whole history of African American art here that should be in the discussion when we're talking exactly. about the contemporary art scene and even the modern art scene. You know, people who were you know uh, forgotten about before, and um, uh, and uh, he passed away unfortunately from COVID uh, right. a few months back. And we wanted to talk about him, so we'll talk a little bit about that today. But first, let's talk a little bit about you. You are um, uh, an educator at uh, Tennessee State University in North Nashville. And yes. uh, tell us a little bit about, you know, uh, your career there and also a little bit about what you remember about what were you, what were you, what were you doing, Sam, in the year 2000? Where were you? Because oh, <laughs> I know you were right. Way back when. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was, uh, man, it's crazy how uh, it almost seemed like the art scene in Nashville in that 90s period was almost like that dot-com boom where everybody was trying to get a, I mean, open up a gallery and everybody was trying to kind of feed into the art. So it was almost like uh, right before that, it almost seemed like there was a, a river flowing underneath the, the music scene and mm -hmm. the, the connections between the artists, it was so much different than what I've seen in so many other places because it really seemed like uh, the, the artists cared for each other a little bit more uh, mm -hmm. because we had to. I mean, we, you had to kind of tie two other artists to really get anything going. So, right. I mean, it was that was around the time that I had actually graduated from TSU. 
Uh, I'm an alum from I mean, from TSU, uh, and trying to get your foot in a door in a in a city where people were actually interested in what you were saying and actually nice about you coming into a gallery and not knowing what the heck to do uh, was was really really good for me to kind of have have that as a start. And I mean, I'll be honest with you. I mean, I came into TSU as an architectural engineering major. Mm. And I had no earthly idea just, that. Are you serious? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's so uh, crazy. No, it was no, it was uh, it was one semester. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, I want to be a painter. <laughs> you're like, you're like, I don't want to be rich. I don't want to be rich at all. Why would I want to be rich and successful? I could be a painter. <laughs> Plus, on top of that, the uh, the uh, the the uh, university kind of told me, well, if you don't get your act straight, then uh, you're not going to be here for anything. So. <laughs> kind of made it a little bit easier for me to find I mean, all that partying I was doing that first semester was not yeah. too good for me. Uh-huh. Have you found, it, so in your career at TSU, have you finally like worked off your debt to TSU? <laughs> 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 like, how does that work? That's, that's like, what it felt like too. And it, uh, I mean, I, I love TSU to death. And I mean, as a student, I, I love my professors there and all of that. And I thought that I was going to come there and be the, the different professor that was going to be <laughs> trying to fill all the gaps that I thought that I needed when I was a student. And I got there after about a, a few months, I was like, no, nah, these students are acting up. I need to do this. I need to. So, so I became far more of a, a little bit more of a strict professor because they, I mean, being a young, I mean, a little dreadlocked uh, professor at the very beginning, the students, students were eating me alive. So, so, so I, I feel, I feel like I'm, I, I mean, just, just to be kind of I mean, honest, it, it's, it's been so very humbling to know that, I mean, you had students that are, were pretty much in my shoes when I was there and they were not were, but are still dealing with some of the same struggles that I had would not really be, I mean, really understanding what art is. Mm-hmm. Uh, so having an opportunity to come back and put my hands on some students and try not to kind of, mold them but kind of move them where they need to go is mm-hmm. really humbling and I, I mean I, I truly have appreciated the the 20 years that I've been there <laughs> yeah well I tell you what man I, here's the thing that like just to give more context to this whole deal is you know I mean obviously you're an artist you know who went you know went from being a failed architect to being a struggling artist and, <laughs> and still almost got uh, ex- expelled from your uh, from your degree program <laughs> but you made it through and uh, and, and you, you know you you know developed your own career as an artist and then of course you know we've talked to many people who are artists and educators and they always have their own story about like you know what did you know what did being a teacher bring to your art and things like that and I, we can talk a little bit about that too if you'd like um but i also want people who who don't know about this history in nashville even people who are recent nashvillians or people who mm-hmm. are outside of nashville but um at, at this point um, you know, TSU and Fisk, which are both in the North Nashville neighborhood. Fisk is a university that has the best art collection in the city. Yeah. Bar none. Yeah. And so, so this whole North Nashville scene, okay, is a, um, is, you know, is, is really like one of the most important art scenes in the city because of this, because of these universities. And it's important to note that these universities are both historically black college, college mm-hmm. HBCUs. Okay. Yeah. TSU and, and Fisk are both HBCUs. And there's been a whole black art scene that's come out of North Nashville. And obviously, you know, especially with a lot of things we're talking about nowadays, there's every reason to believe that back then in the nineties, it was even harder for people from coming from North Nashville yeah. or from TSU or from Fisk to break 
into the whatever whatever there was of a mainstream art scene in Nashville at that time. And in many ways, you know, you established yourself in the early 2000s. I mean, I remember David Maddox, a writer from the scene. He would say over and over again, hands down, the best painter in the city is Sam Dunstan. Oh, yeah. And and that was during a time when, you know, like I said, that's when the scene first started seriously covering art. David Maddox was a fantastic art critic. One of you know, definitely one of the best we've ever had in the city. Yeah. And 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 he was a huge champion of your work. Great musician and, too. Huh? What'd you say? Great musician too. Yeah, great musician, <laughs> hell of a saxophone player. And then uh, and 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 he was a big champion of your work for all the right reasons. And you, you know, in many ways now in Nashville. There's a whole scene of muralists that came out of North Nashville. Mm -hmm. We're talking about our friend Brandon Donahue, who just recently left yeah. Nashville, unfortunately. But Brandon's doing all sorts of amazing things with his art, all sorts of public projects. He's got great gallery representation. He's making stuff that's like literally iconic, unforgettable, one of a kind. That's a Brandon Donahue sculpture kind of stuff. And, yeah. and those yeah. guys and young ladies, you know, all these folks who have come out of North Nashville, say in the last five or six years, um, they, you know, there's recently a North Nashville muralist art show at the museum here in town um, yep. and and in many ways like do what i see you as like a godfather to that whole group of kids and some of them like brandon you mentioned he was one of your students you know yeah so, so yeah. i feel like in a lot of ways like the, the your story is is so um is so much a part of ex what's happening norton what's happening in nashville's art scene right now is a huge part of what you were doing uh you know in the early 2000s and man, it's uh, it's it's so strange to to know that. I mean, with anybody, if you played a part in anything, it always feels strange to accept that. And I'm still working on that part of accepting mm. that these younger artists are seeing me in that light. Even mm -hmm. when they they, I mean, even when they come up and say it, it's like, oh, man, please, oh, I'm still <laughs> I'm still struggling to still struggling to to deal with the fact that I'm 50 now. I mean, and it's, uh, it's amazing. But, you and me uh, both. That, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> man, it's uh, the, the, that idea of the connection to black artists in that area is so connected to the history that has been there for so long. And I mean, it, it, uh, I, I was so happy to learn that. I mean, being a teacher, now I'll be very honest, if you're looking at HBCUs and the connection to art, mm -hmm. you won't find TSU in the, I mean, like the annals of art. I mean, it is most definitely going to be Fisk with the Stieglitz right. collection yeah. and the connection to Aaron Douglas and David Driscoll and, and right. I mean, I'm sorry, Mr. Ridley and Ted Jones and all these other, but most of those professors and people that actually had connections to Fisk were finding their way down to TSU either to like you were like we were talking about earlier either yeah. to teach there uh, either part time or full time or through the, just the connections between the artists. So right. I was in I mean I was right in that time where I was seeing a lot of that transition between artists uh, well artists and educators that were literally connected to uh, Aaron Douglas and James I'm almost sorry and David Driscoll. And could tell they would literally just sit there in class and just tell us stories about. I mean, we were sitting there supposed to be in, in sculpture, and we're all just sitting around a table listening to Greg Ridley tell stories about <laughs> tell stories about David Driscoll and and Aaron Douglas and all these. I mean, so it was almost like the the idea that we were kind of listening to these griots, almost like these these historians uh -huh. that were almost breathing something in us that was not studio based. It was, it was uh -huh. the idea that 
you had to get out and have a life in order to come back to the studio and create something. So uh -huh. that's, that's one of the things that I, I, I tried to get the students to understand is like, no, nah, let's, let's have a conversation. Now I, here's I mean, I'll be very honest when a student has, does not ask for that, then yes, I mean, completely studio, I'm completely fine. But a lot of the students that have done exceptionally well in the program are the ones that at some point in time, will come up and say, hey, Mr. Dunson, can we have a, can we have a talk? I mean, I, I'm wanting to see what I'm really supposed to be doing as an artist. And I'll, I'll literally ask him, I'll say, are, are you ready for this talk? <laughs> are, you really, are, you truly, are you truly ready? Because I'm not going to hold back. If you're really saying that you're ready, then here's the things that you got to do. And you're not doing this. You're not doing this. What do you think about these? Are you watching movies? Are you reading? Are you doing this? Do you know history of these things? So mm. that's that's something that I got from the professors at TSU when I was there that I'm kind of passing on to these students. And that's the one thing that actually allows me to accept that they see me in that in that role. And I don't even it's almost like uh, Voldemort. I don't even want to say the name of it. <laughs> so well, so it's like, six. <laughs> <laughs> That'll make me too old. <laughs> well, Sam, I feel like you have a, an interesting relationship with the notion of discipline in terms of your life and coming up, as you talked about with your 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 dad was you know perhaps yeah. pretty pretty disciplined, right? And then uh, yeah, yeah, and then and then how you're sort of struggling to also um, f offer that. It's kind of like I, I envision you with with your students, you know, in this way. It's sort of like the way that you explain this is being like, this is a, a, a thing that once you open this up, I can't close it. Yes. Like, this is not like once we, once we break the seal on this collectively in our cooperative sort of dialogue or whatever it is we're doing, there's a, you have an, a, there's almost like a lifelong accountability that comes with that. And they don't really understand necessarily uh, the gravity because it's hard for when I was that age, I didn't understand what that, what that fully was. I mean, I understood sort of mentor relationships, uh, you know, and all that, but, but I think that discipline plays an interesting role uh, in, in sort of what, what you're sort of talking about in terms of what you came up with and then how you had to then form these decisions in your academic process, as well as your artistic process. And then there's something also like I'm 48, so I'm just a little bit behind you guys, but but I think there's something really interesting about that time in your life where it is the age uh, when you got into it sooner. So you had to sort of maybe learn how to be a teacher faster, but we're all in that period now where it's like, how can we give back? And it's a strange thing. It, it's a really, we talk a lot about like sort of artistic identity and even just how hard it is sometimes just to say, especially early on, I, I'm an artist. Okay. So fine. Yeah. Like, I, I'm just yeah. okay with that. It, it seems weird uh, to even get into that when you're younger, but then uh, maybe for some people it's not hard, but <laughs> people, you know, it seems like a strange crossover, even if you're totally immersed in the practice. But I feel like there's another wave of that at this phase of life that is really about teaching. And it feels like, you know, there's a whole other level this kind of imposter syndrome uh, i'm sure that right that happens where mm. now now i'm in a position of authority or people are looking to me like i, I thought that i was still like the scraggly kind of scrapping <laughs> kid that was just trying to make his way i just happen to work here now like <laughs> you know so i find this sort of i find that sort of narrative uh really compelling and really really interesting yeah it's, it's almost like you i mean just what you said before you you can't once that conversation happens, you can't put that I mean, toothpaste back in the tube. And it's like once you once you get down that road, then as a student, I mean, kind of professor connection or relationship, 
I can no longer talk to you like you didn't ask that question of me. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> it's like, it's like, so I'm going to hold you to whatever, whatever you've asked and whatever, I mean, basically we've talked about. I mean, I'm not going to act like we didn't have that conversation. So if I don't see any <laughs> progress now, I mean, I don't want to make it seem like any, any student that doesn't ask that, then they're, no, they're not ready to be an artist because there's, there's plenty of students that, that have come through that have, I mean, taken classes from me that really didn't have any, I mean, conversations, many, I won't say any, but many conversations at all with me. But they got it from somebody there. And I'm pretty sure right. somebody else, some of my colleagues have had those same conversations. Um, but the students that I do have that conversation with, they know that from that point in time, if they ever have a class with me or anything they bring to me, I'm not going to pat them on the back. I mean, I, because it's, it's not really about the idea of, of saying that everything you're doing is good. Because I know that when I paint something or sculpt something or create a video, I'm, I'm I mean, so critical of it that it's, it's almost a, 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 it's hard for me to actually just put it out. So <laughs> Yeah, don't I mean, tell me you hate it. I already hate it. You don't, <laughs> yeah. I don't need you to help me out. I mean, I've already, already <laughs> know it. I'm already embarrassed that it's out there for you. <laughs> but yeah, it's, I mean, the, the students, and I, I, I have not heard a student yet that, and I'm not just talking about myself, I'm talking about my colleagues as well. Uh, and I will actually open it up to all of the, the teachers and professors that I would say that are, are friends of mine. And I mean, that, that I really trust. Uh, we have never had conversations with students that have kind of not progressed them forward in some way. Mm. And as long as we're seeing some progression out of them, then I feel that the time and effort that I'm putting with them is somewhat similar to the time and effort that I'm putting with my own art. Because I, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be critical. I'm going to be genuine. I'm going to try my best to be humble and know that there's mistakes that are, that are going to be made and so on and so forth. But we know that we're on this trip together mm. as opposed to me dragging students along. There's some students, you know, there are some students that I, that I have to drag along mm. um, and some that get to the end that, that, just choose another path because they, they just haven't done what they need to do. But the ones that I can look back and, and say that came up and asked questions and started to become critical of themselves more than me being critical of them or my colleagues being critical of them, I can see that their path has, has still moved on. I mean, like you like talk about Brandon. I mean, I, I still remember a conversation that I had with him. Uh, he was a... Uh, little more of a an airbrush artist when he first came in right and yeah. i was trying to basically tell him i said i have no problem at all with airbrush being used in the classes or or used for assignments but i said uh why don't you put it away for a second and then see if there's other ways that you can solve your problems i mean it's, it's the old i mean old adage where sure. if you only know how to use a, a hammer then every solution or every problem is a nail. Uh, so, you know, I was kind of getting that with him. And I mean, he, it wasn't just because of that. It was because of everything. He completely blossomed and he started bringing artists to me that he was interested in, music to me that he was, and it became a conversation where it wasn't really about the studio practice. It was about everything that he was doing so that he can take it back to the studio and make sense of it. And he, I mean, until the, the time, we still text a little bit, but until the time he was leaving, he would tell me about, I mean, other uh, musicians and artists and all of that. And we That's would have great. those conversations. And I mean, it's, 
And he's just one example. I mean, I would venture to say in North Nashville now, a lot of the young black artists have connections to TSU or Fisk, and they are combining to, I mean, just like you said, do the, the murals around town. And now the Frist is actually going to North Nashville to find artists to, uh, to show up and, and actually become connected to the Frist. And they're, they're making connections that would not have happened had it not been for those connections that these young, young artists are doing. So I'm just happy to be even considered uh, connected to them at all. I mean, I, yeah. I'll stop them. Yeah. Well, that's great. That's great. Well, yeah, I mean, I appreciate your humility. And I also, I mean, I understand that you, you can feel weird when people are like, thank you, Sam. Yeah. You still have the dreadlocks on the inside. I know that. Yeah. I think that's true. I think, I mean, like Brian just said, I mean, I think we all sort of, you, you never stop thinking of yourself like the way that you did when you were like, 24 and trying to make your work and trying to do your stuff. It's like, you're just constantly evolving in whatever way you are, but it's like, in some ways, you know, I think at least for me, and I, I think this is what Brian was pointing at earlier and what you're talking about. It's like, it's like, it's just, you, it's difficult to see yourself in, in some other kind of position in a way. Cause you know, your own perception of yourself, it's like, I, I feel the same as I always did. You know I mean? I'm still yeah. trying to write a song that's better than the last one. I'm still trying to make right. a, some, some kind of work that's better than the last one, you know? So yeah. it's, uh, you know, find another, you know, way to expose it and get more people to see it just like always, you know what I mean? So it's like, it's just, it's, it's just, I don't know. It's, it's interesting. I, I think, uh, I think we all sort of have that sensibility of like, you know, you get older and you, you mature and hopefully you find levels of success, but on some level, you know, your perspective on it doesn't really change that much. Right. You know? And, right. uh, and regarding Brandon, Brandon was actually on our show before Marlos Ivan was on our show before oh, yeah. we had a number yeah. of folks, you know, from, from uh, the, the North Nashville scene come on the show. So, so, you know, anybody can go back and, and watch those shows and get a better sense of these artists that we're talking about. But, oh, yeah. um, but you, you were talking about your process a second ago and talking about how, you know, you're, you're, you know, you're going to be critical of your work anyway. You've got a certain perspective on your work when you're making it and all this stuff. Um, right before we got on the air, we were talking a little bit more about uh, some of the unexpected things that have come along with trying to make art during this period of time when we're right. dealing with lockdowns and can't can't get to class or whatever's going on with 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 life at TSU. Um, tell us a little bit. You've got a brand new show. It's called Black Flower. It's it's yeah. it's it's open at Rhymer right now, but only online. Is that right? Yes, yeah, it's uh, virtual now. Uh -huh. Yeah, it's virtual now, and then hopefully there'll be more opportunities for people to go actually visit the show. Um, but yes. you can go check it out, and uh, and we'll we'll have a link to the Rhymer Gallery uh, uh, when this goes to the podcast. But um, let's talk a little bit about that show, what you've been doing to get it ready, and 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 some of this stuff about you know what's been going on with your practice in the middle of all this sort of chaos. But maybe sometimes it works out okay. Right, right. Yeah, that was a, there was a, a number of uh, projects that I've had in the in the actual home uh, due to the due to the I won't even say just the virus, just the twenty twenty in general uh, yeah. that has, has kind of uh, made me a little more active outside of my work for a little while. But um, it was uh, last year I went to Herb and I said that hey, I have uh, Herb I, is the I, curator I have, of oh, for anybody yeah. who doesn't know. Yeah, Herb Williams. So yeah, he's he's a he's a Nashville staple as well. Yeah, and uh, I went to him and I just kind of presented uh, the idea that I had, and this was prior to 2020. So when I did get to the uh, the the full on in studio working, and I try my best to just work all the way through 
but uh, with 2020, it just it just kind of I mean amped it up on steroids almost. Yeah. So uh, it the the show completely changed uh, just due to the fact that we were in this pandemic and we were in the home. So all of the works that I had in mind that I was kind of eking towards took I mean like a I mean a full on left turn into something that was completely different. And uh, the, the title is Black Flower, which is kind of a play on ideas of black power, so on and so forth. And I mean, many years ago, back in 2016, I had a show at the Reimer Gallery that was titled Lack History, kind of to play on that. And it was a, a sense of, of the kind of the anger that I was having at that point in time. Uh, I'm a father of a 19 year old, son and a 22 year old daughter. So back in 2016, there were fear and all of that. But I started feeling that um, that I was holding on to a lot of the fears and the anger unnecessarily because I've never really been a, a fully, I mean, like angry person. I just it's just not in my nature. Mm-hmm. Um, so this show came about based upon the idea that I was playing with all of these flowers all the time in my work, they would show up and I was trying to get away from them. And being an educator, I would tell my students all the time that you just continue to work and whatever I mean is there for you is going to, it's going to find you. You're not, if you're trying to find a style or find an idea or something like that. You're going to basically be running your, I mean, like around, like a chicken with his head cut off because you're not going to find it. It'll <laughs> find you if you just continue to work. So these flowers kind of, found me uh in my in my work again even though they were they were there so there's a a a little bit of i guess symbology in the idea of of a flower is just a just a symbol of growth to me and knowing that the growth has to come from from something that is like dirty and 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 not so much ugly but it has nutrients that you're not really certain are there it just happens to be there Mm -hmm. and the idea of blackness is this whole idea of this of a void or the unknown and I've always found beauty in things and in, in questions more than answers. So always, I've always liked the idea of the unknown because anything that is there in front of me, uh, it, it, I kind of lose interest in it. Mm-hmm. So I'll put these two ideas together, this idea of growth in the, in the kind of growth in the idea or the time of the unknown. Mm-hmm. And that was kind of wrapped up in 2020. It was like, <laughs> we, we know we're moving forward somehow but mm-hmm. we don't know how in the hell we're moving. And mm-hmm. we're it's kind of left in this unknown dark era in the homes and all of that. Uh, so all of that kind of tied up and fell on me in the studio, I guess you would say. So uh, all of the works that are actually dealing with the, uh, with the Black, Flower, Black Flower show are dealing with those things that are either unknown to me or things that don't truly have a basis in things that are tangible and you don't really know them, but you see the effects of them. Mm-hmm. So not understanding, I mean, like in the, uh, in the work that's on the screen there now is a, a work called Alienated. And it's a play on this idea of the kind of the unknown figure. Uh, there's a, a female figure that has all of the attributes of a, of, a, of, a, of, a, of a black woman in the face and in the hands and the lips and the eyes. But her face has taken on this kind of feel of a flower, look and feel of a flower. And the idea of people coming across, let's say coming across borders, uh, whether that border is an actual border of the United States or your own borders that you 
kind of create around yourself. We fear a lot of people per se, but we fear things and ideas and people that don't quote unquote look like us. So that mm -hmm. unknown is kind of playing this. But once we allow those people to get in, we actually allow for their ideas to come in and so on and so forth. So there's a growth that still comes about that. So it's almost like this play on this idea of, of uh, also, uh, let's say, Black Panther, <laughs> the movie mm -hmm. with the uh, pulling down of the lip <laughs> to kind of oh, show yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. she's kind of pulling down the lip to kind of show that she is different than you, but you still recognize her. So it's uh -huh. almost this play on this of the unknown and the growth from those connections that you make with people. And sometimes those connections are made even in the home. I mean, a lot of people are, are now just now finding out who their husband or wife is after they've been married for <laughs> years. Are you projecting your own experience right now? <laughs> <laughs> well, my, my wife might be watching, but yeah, uh, I mean, yeah. it's, it's, it's the, the, the connections that you have that oh, yeah. you are forced to be in a place together and that person becomes an alien to you. I mean, it's, you're not alienated from that person, but all of those, that time that you spend that that person would have been at work, I mean, oh, you're yeah. now finding out who the person is at work. You're finding out who the person is at play and yeah. all those things. So uh, these, these new relationships are built. But if you look at it positively, which I try to look at things positively, there's, there's a sense of growth that comes there. Mm -hmm. So the relationship between me and my wife has grown within like this period of time. I mean, sure. it's, uh, I'm now knowing her vulnerabilities a lot more than I knew. And we've been married for 20, I mean, basically 25, 25 years. Mm -hmm. So I'm learning who she is through this period of unknownness or this, this period is, of this darkness. Is the, this is the best save that I have ever <laughs> seen. This is unbelievable. Oh, that was like, perfect. guys, I'm, write this down. Oh, my gosh. Oh, man. <laughs> unbelievable. Love you, <laughs> oh, gosh. That was yeah, gold. Like, that was gold. Yeah. You can't bottle that, man. That was so, gold. I'm still learning. Man, that was like that was like the skeleton key to the doghouse. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> wow, man. Oh man. But yeah, yeah. It's, it's uh it's it's all true. Yeah. That's right. No, it's good to hear that, man. You're absolutely right. I mean, it's it's been I mean, that's definitely been one of the, you know, one of the things that that I've been grateful for is, you know, uh my wife and I were lucky enough that we we had just basically got a, a new house right before all this happened. And man, we were so lucky just to suddenly have like uh 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 you know uh a, a better living situation to be in than we were just yeah. in a tiny apartment before that. And so it was so much better to be in that situation. And, and luckily, you know, we've only been married for a few years and, and it's like one of those things where it's like, you know, I'm, I'm discovering that it's like, Oh wow. I made a pretty good call because uh, <laughs> now we're together all the time. And, and so far it's been, I mean, so far, you know, I'm just taking notes from us, you guys. I'm just taking notes. It's been, you know, it's been a situation where I think, you know, we've both been able to remain very positive for the most part. And we've both been able to find ways to, you know, in whatever way it's like, well, how can we make this situation even better? How can I make, yeah. how can I make, how can I find opportunities that I, that I didn't see before or, you know, those kinds of things. I mean, for the most part, I mean, I've, I've got a lot of friends who've had much more 
to struggle with than I have in this period. And, and therefore I think it's like even more of a reason for me to feel like, well, if I'm not completely underwater at this point, I better be swimming hard. And that's exactly the same way that I feel. Yeah. There's so many things that you wouldn't have had these conversations uh, with this person that you think that you know. You wouldn't have those conversations had you not gone through this period of, of like this void or this unknown period. And there's, yeah. I mean, there's, I, I can literally say that there, and this is in all honesty, there's conversations that we've had that we know will change us and, and positive conversations that will change us from this point forward that will can't help but to make everything better. And we, like I said, we've been married for 25 years yeah. and you just don't even know that those things are going to come up until you're forced to do something that you had no idea that you were going to have to do it. And it's this stepping out on this kind of faith that you need uh -huh. to say that, okay, we've gone through a whole lot of things. But yeah. we've never gone through anything like this that has forced us to look at things differently than we did before. So yeah. it's, it's been it's been really I mean, it's been uh, negative because she's I mean, she's in the uh, in the medical field. So oh, she's okay. having she's, she's having to actually go in and uh -huh. and not have she didn't really have much time off. And that fear of of kind of going in and being around people that possibly could have coronavirus mm. is something that is, has scared her. And when she is coming home, I'm now having to understand her differently than I ever, ever understood. So it, it's, it's been a, it's been a, a rough road just knowing that we yeah. are going through this as an American, as Americans, but there's some, hopefully there's some good that some growth that we can actually have from. Okay. Now you, you guys are, hold on. You guys are stacking up. Let me get my turn in here. <laughs> right. So as far as my wife, who is just, <laughs> Oh my God, <laughs> screw it up, Brian. Unbelievable. <laughs> Keep, keep it right. Where, right. I mean, I thought that proximity would breed a particular <laughs> compression that would be a, perhaps a burden on our relationship. But in fact, <laughs> it's brought us it, being closer together has brought us closer together. No, but um, but uh, she, my, by the way, I've I, my, so my wife is a, a teacher and uh, okay. and she, she's doing the the online thing right, and it's uh you know thankfully, but um. But, you know, it's been a trip because when you talk about like bringing your students along and, and really looking for that accountability, I was just thinking about how, you know, just recently, like the way that things are set up, the, the, the teachers can see on their computer, they can just click on a student and just see exactly what's on their screen, what they're searching for, what they're doing, right. all this stuff. And, and I don't think that they really understand that, you know, and so. It, these kids that are wanting like retests or, you know, various things, it's like you go and look and it's like they haven't done they they actually copied and, and pasted into Google the question for everything on the test. Like, like if it can't be just copied and pasted in some exchange between the internet and the test, then they're just not going to do it, right? So yeah, right. It's, it's that level, like when you're talking about like having to bring people along, you know, and, and, and I think it reminds me of just how I had such a hard time in school, but I, I, I don't, as I'm older, I realize, man, if I just, would have shown the slightest bit of interest in anything they would they would have given me a whole new world to work with but instead of just like seething in the back of the class you know and like i hate everything you know it's a funny it's a it's a very fine line which brings me back to like the happiness that i'm enduring in my marriage it's 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 uh it's one of those things where um i know that if 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 we can be in the same house all the time for a year or whatever it's been uh then we can do anything yeah, yeah, and there's a uh, there's one of the one of the the paintings that I uh, created where it's actually called uh, "All Dressed Up and Nowhere to Go," uh, and it's a it's an image of of me, yeah, me 
kind of standing. That's actually the hallway in our home. And we're just like you, Joe, we just purchased the, the home last year. Uh, oh, wow. So you never. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you. They, just you in the nick of time. Yeah, right. Because <laughs> mm. like, you, you just never know what's what's going to kind of, I mean, come about within uh, a year's time. No so uh, this this painting actually deals with it. That whole idea is just me uh, kind of standing in our uh, kind of the, the back room, the master ba- master bedroom back there. And knowing that you have to uh, pretty much just stay centered or find something that keeps you centered and the whole idea of the flowers kind of plays on that idea of growth there's a tidal wave of flowers that's actually coming out of one of the rooms and that idea of of giving something giving someone everything that they want or giving something giving someone everything that they need at a certain time um, may not be the best for your situation there's going to be some situations where you have to kind of argue it out. And there's uh. some situations where you're going to have to kind of uh, mull over it. And then understanding that you're going to have to come back because you can't leave the house now. So you're going yeah. to have to come back. You're going you're gonna to see her or see him at some yeah. point in time. So you're going to have to go back and you're going to have to hash it out and apologize and do all these other things. So it's almost like these, this tide of, 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 of beauty that you think of as a marriage that's coming and spilling out of all of these spaces can sometimes almost drown you mm-hmm. <laughs> in the things that you desire and the things that you want. But there's just knowing that there's something in that space that you're building that's keeping you grounded mm-hmm. is uh, I mean, sort of a necessity. I'm for, fascinated by the, the tension of this undertow that you're standing in, in this depiction. Yeah. Yeah. And <laughs> it's, it's, it's the it right looks, idea. That, it's, it's really got like pull to it. And and I, I wanted it to feel like that everything that could happen because uh, that's our master bedroom back there. And I was wanting to kind of have this consideration of the entire life that you make with a person or the entire world that you're creating is behind that door. And once you close it, it's 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 you and that other person. I mean, nobody else is really in there with you. So you can either stay in the I mean, stay grounded while that all those things are just swishing around you or you. Or you just fall in the toe. <laughs> well, you know, I, I, drowned I, in it. Also, like the the sort of the tilt to the perspective uh, of you in this hall and doorway situation, it's actually almost like a filmmaking uh, uh, utilization tool. You know, in terms of just uh, the uniform sort of gesture of uncertainty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's almost like this that idea of I mean, like Inception, and and you knowing that there is some sense of a of a balance there, but maybe the, the room around you is what's unbalanced mm. or maybe the space that you're in is the thing that that's unbalanced. So a lot of times when, when we're kind of feeling a little bit weak in the knees or, or, or dizzy or something like that, um, sometimes just closing your eyes and not seeing the room spin will kind of write your, write your balance sometimes. Mm-hmm. And that, that's kind of like that whole play that I, that I wanted for that particular piece is, as you get closer to the actual face, you don't see any, if you were to actually just zoom in on that face, you don't really see fear or anything like that. You just kind of see a, a sense of calm there. So even though that room is spinning and everything's coming around and all this yeah. mess is kind of happening, if you don't have some sense of a, of a grounded nature or something like that, then 
then you will get swept up in all the things that that a lot of people probably have been swept up. I, I love that. It, I love that it's made of such turbulence. But just looking at it, I mean, I can't help but like it feels satisfying compositionally to look at. Like it actually has an order and a and a flow to it that I find relaxing. Oh, well, thank you, man. Which I think that is a really is. interesting <laughs> contrast to like what's actually going on. But you know what I mean? It's it's not. It's very cinematic and very. I don't know, uh, surreal. And that's why I, I, I wanted to try to be the, the, the relaxing aspect of it. <laughs> so, so, I mean, that, that is a, a, a pat on the back. If you're yeah. not even, not even saying that you were trying to give it, I, yeah, I, yeah. I truly appreciate that no, is, as, a, yeah. as a, as a comment, because I, sometimes I, I, I fear putting too much in something and it's beautiful, man. It's I'm, beautiful. I'm trying my best. And this is one of the things that I tell my students. Uh, there's no way in the world you're going to force somebody to understand a work of art because you did it and you think that you're saying something to everybody. But um, it's, it's, it actually does feel good when I hear someone mm. say, well, hey, you did accomplish what you were trying to accomplish. Yeah. Even, though, even though their story might be completely different than mine right. about my work of art, I'm actually gaining a lot of information about the work that I'm doing through conversations with other people. So right. it's almost like I'm trying to have that conversation. But when I hear someone say, well, hey, this is what I'm feeling. It's like, oh, man. All right. Mm. <laughs> Good job. I can move on now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, one thing that's interesting, you know, like keep, you know, you're talking about all these ways that this, you know, this, you know, the, the experience that we've all been living through in the last six months has affected your work. And Brian, uh, you know, for anybody who's actually watching the video uh, version of this, Brian's got a, a, a work up right now uh, that actually has uh, your mother in it. And uh, yeah. you have another painting in the show that has your father in it. Right before yeah. we got on air, we were talking about the fact that both your parents um, had uh, the COVID virus. Luckily, yes. they're both recovered. They're, they're, we're doing fine. So we're happy to hear that. And, uh, and, uh, and it's just, uh, to me, it's interesting because uh, I knew that you had both of these portraits in the show. Do you want to talk a little bit about those and, and why yeah. you decided to make those? So it, uh, I, I have never painted a, a portrait of my, now this isn't the reason why I painted this, but I had uh -huh. never painted a portrait of my mother. Mm -hmm. And I don't know what the, the, the heel that I had to get over, but this idea of, all of the things that that make you fearful. I mean, so this is something that's something new for everybody. This year, this whole year has been something new for everybody. But um, it's almost like I have parents that I completely and utterly trust uh, with my life. So the idea of understanding the unknown is I wanted to go back and kind of say thank you to them. Mm -hmm. for bringing me out of the unknown, kind of that whole idea of spirituality of having, I mean, some place that you were before you were here and possibility mm -hmm. of having some place that you're going to go after you leave here. Uh, they, my, my parents are the, the links to that in my head. And mm -hmm. uh, my parents, even though they're both Christian, they come from two very different ideas about Christianity Mm -hmm. which which allowed me to question God and question Christianity, question religious I mean ideas, question spirituality. And I wanted to kind of play with them as being gods and a mother of a God uh, mm -hmm. to one tell them tell them thank you, even though that's not that's not something that they would like to hear. 
from these works. My mother mm-hmm. is most definitely, she's a religious person. So seeing herself kind of in this Pieta, yeah. <laughs> almost like the spiritual Mary yeah. type figure. Uh, right. I'm not exactly sure how she feels about that. Uh, but I wanted to yeah. sort Congrats, of. Congrats, mom! You're an idol. For people, really quick, really quick, Stan, let me interrupt you. For people who can't see this, you just you used the word Pieta, and and you're talking about a motif that that was you know popular in classical art, and you know it was like you know you'd see it in the Renaissance and stuff as well, where it's basically uh, portraits of of Mary holding Jesus after he's come down from the cross, and then you've seen yes. artists do this millions of times over and over and over again in their own ways and in many ways this is your version of that but it's your mother holding you yes yes and it's uh and it's the things that i she's holding me but i'm kind of divided into these three things of that sense of me still having to learn things it's kind of a play on father son holy spirit Mm. uh past present Mm. future so on and so Mm. forth so there's three of me kind Mm. of meld it together that she's yeah. holding but it's also the the death of those ideas so that something comes from it so mm-hmm. the that whole idea of her having I me mean, i'm sorry her being the connection to something greater than i am uh-huh. um is the reason why i wanted to actually put her in that role mm-hmm. so i'm i'm this person i mean in the in the painting i'm laid out <laughs> kind of like the Christ figure, but I don't know where I'm going. I don't know what, and I don't know what I'm doing as a 50 year old. I'm, I still don't know fully what I'm doing. And and sometimes I live in that and I'm okay with it. But when that part scares me, I'll be honest with you. um, I still call my mother. Mm -hmm. I I still, I still say, Hey mama, I mean, I, here's, here's what's going on with me right now. Yeah. I'm not real certain about what I'm, what I should be doing. And she's automatically just jumps right in and just says, well, you deserve this. This is what you mean. So it's almost Mm -hmm. like she becomes this truly a a Mary mother of God figure Mm -hmm. uh, that, that instills in me that, Hey, you know that you're doing well enough to understand the role that you need to take so on and so forth. So uh-huh. I wanted to put her in that role. Yeah. And then mom, also a mom, little bit mom's of, got the of cheat code. myself. <laughs> right. Yeah, right. Mom, of course, is going to have the cheat codes, right? <laughs> yeah. So push A up, down. And <laughs> I know. Right. And I, I, exactly. I, I have a very similar, or I can identify with like being raised in a, essentially a Christian home uh, Catholic in this case, but within the spectrum of earth religion and yeah. you know a- any number of other you know uh lakota sioux spirituality wow. all of these things so i fully understand what it's like to sort of have this kind of uh dichotomy of sort of dogma and freedom yeah. uh, as a part of your basis uh in, in terms of your your environment growing up and you know the thing that my mom always uh said that stuck with me she's still around but I, she's i said past tense but uh she always would say, it doesn't matter what I call her about. If I do, she'll just go, well, you know, if you don't know what to do, then just stand still. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah. God damn it. <laughs> it's, so how did you find that out? <laughs> yeah, it's also like a little bit like kind of like, how can you always say something that seems prophetic in any situation, right? <laughs> but, it's uh, almost like the, the idea that somebody on this earth 
knows you more than you know yourself. Amen. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, and they always say, like, you're always going to be my baby. And then you realize when you're older, like, yeah, I'm pretty much still a baby. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Sam, I wanted to let you know that uh, our uh, somebody who's listening on YouTube right now, Killing Ghidorah, uh, chimed in and said, oh. Oh, I've had this uh, same concept of thought about my parents as well. It makes a lot of sense to me seeing my parents as these holy figures. So, uh, yeah. so there you go, Sam. You, you, you have somebody, uh, somebody knows exactly what you're doing and thinks you did it right. <laughs> right. And that's what, I mean, that, that, that's the, the one thing that I, I try my best. I want my works really to be about me. Um, but I want them to, I, I guess I want to speak on terms of, of universality. Uh, mm -hmm. And knowing that there's a lot of lot more things that kind of bring us together as opposed to kind of pulling us apart. So I don't I don't really like lick my finger and check the check the wind to see which way I need to go with my work or something like that. But I know if I look down a bit more in myself that I can find things that I'm going to pull out that make some connections to other people. Mm -hmm. And I, I mean, I want to have more conversations with people. So that not to say to pick the brain and then go back in the studio and kind of make work from it, but to find more out about myself, I need to look outward a lot more because honestly, I could be in the studio all day, every day, not see people, not have connections. And right. I'd, I'd feel like I'd be all right, but I need <laughs> those. I mean, this, is one, <laughs> this is one thing that kind of forces me to kind of get out of the studio, see people speak. And recognize that that I mean, I guess just being human is a lot more connective than uh, some of the things that we're going through right now. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I, I think, I mean, I think that that's a, a push and pull that we all deal with. You know, I find myself, you know, getting involved in some kind of music that I'm working on or some kind of creative project. And I mean, the, you know, the typical thing that that I always sort of check myself is like I realize that it's like, you know, it's like the late morning and I get started on something, and all of a sudden it's like two hours past when I normally would have had lunch and it's like, I'm not even eating food. Like this is, this is, this is good in a way because I'm, I'm doing something that I'm so involved with that I don't even care. Um, uh, but it's also bad in a way. Cause it's like, keep your, keep your feet on the ground. Kid. Yeah. <laughs> you know I mean? So I think it's, I think, and I think it's ultimately is important because I think one of the things that leads to like a creative burning out and stuff is exactly that formula of just like, grinding away at this thing that you love you can't you can't get enough of it but 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 you know sooner or later you don't have any more ideas your your ears are burning yeah. you know you got you're just your 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 eyes are shot you know it's it's over <laughs> you need to walk away and and yeah. and you know, eat that sandwich and, you know, talk to your wife and watch that right. movie, read that book, you know what I mean? And, and, and figure it out for there. So I figure, I feel, I feel like, you know, I feel like that's something that most creative people can deal with. And I think certainly in all, all the guests we've talked with, a lot of people talk about just getting that balance right between, between, you know, uh, staying curious and learning and stuff like this. And then also actually working on your art, you know, you know, in up close and personal on what you're doing um, to, to take a second to back up again and get another big picture just because we have you and we have talked about this. So I want to at least touch on it. I don't even know that we have to speak that much about it, but we mm -hmm. talked about it earlier that uh, David Driscoll passed away earlier this year yeah. uh, due to COVID-19 Driscoll was a, uh, you know, very well-known art historian and an artist in his own right, who was like, 
you know, one of the reasons why it was so noted when he did pass away is because we're in a, a time right now when you do see a lot more visibility happening. Uh, hopefully you're seeing the beginnings of even more of this happening, but you're right. seeing a lot more um, inclusion and, and, uh, and visibility for artists of color and women artists and, and everybody who isn't just a white guy, you know, who's like been famous, you know, like Warhol or something like this, you know, <laughs> and, and there's, you know, well, I, we, we love Andy Warhol, but there's got to be more people involved in this scene because it's not telling the whole story of what the culture is about. Right. And, um, and David Driscoll was one of the people who, you know, really in a lot of ways, you know, he's a lot of the things we're talking about, about what's going on in Nashville uh, with the North Nashville art scene. A lot of in that place, that's happening in a lot of places. It's happening in the creative, cultural, contemporary, visual art world, you know, at large in a, on the big scale, you know, um, and, and a lot, a lot of it really, you know, I think you can give, uh, you can give Driscoll a lot of credit for this because long before anybody thought it was interesting or important, he was ringing that bell and saying, you should pay attention to this work. You should pay attention to these artists. This is important. This is a part of the American story. That's just as important as this. This is part of what's going on in contemporary culture. That's just as important as what's being shown in the museums right now. And, and he had connections, like you say, uh, to uh, Fisk university here in Nashville. Um, just, can you tell us a little bit of what you know about him as an educator in North Nashville and what his contributions were here in town? Yeah. Yeah. And it's, uh, with me, <clears throat> excuse me. It's almost like that, that man myth legend idea, oh, yeah. uh, where you know, that there's stories, and I'm piggybacking off of what you said, but kind of yeah. what you were saying really connected to my connection to him. Mm -hmm. And the connection to him is more, I mean, far more, he didn't know me at all. I mean, I don't mm -hmm. wanna make it seem like, like, we were, <laughs> like we were really connected because our, of a relationship that we had, but uh -huh. just through the understanding of, of what he did for the history mm -hmm. is something that, artists like me and I mean, anybody that I come in contact with right. uh, should understand that there's a broadening and a diversity of the, the, the stories that we tell um, that make us less black artists and more artists who happen to have a history within mm -hmm. a, an African diaspora, a black mm -hmm. diaspora. Mm -hmm. So the, what I mean, uh, I'll, I'll say it like this. I still have issues with the idea of just collecting black artists and putting them together yeah. as if that automatically means that they're connected by their skin color. Mm -hmm. um, the struggles that we have may be somewhat similar and the, mm -hmm. the sort of the beauty that we see in that struggle is somewhat, but right. if I'm a, if I'm a Sam Gilliam, then I'm saying it completely different than a Kahende Wiley. I mean, right. we may funnel back down into it and say that, yeah, we're both, they're both black artists, but we're looking at things completely different. And those stories sure. that were being told, you look at David Driscoll as somebody that was able to put these artists together and say, yes, these are black artists, but look at these stories that they're telling there, this right. line of stories. And I mean, he actually, uh, there's a, uh, uh, and I, I apologize that I don't remember the actual title of the show uh -huh. but there was a uh, a show that he did that i saw where he brought together a number of artists and created a, a show that kind of just allowed black people to see the diversity 
right. in the stories that we told that we tell as artists. And yeah. I met him. I met him only one time. And it was almost like one of those things where, you know, when somebody says, if you really want to have somebody as, as being a, a legend in your eyes, don't meet them. Yeah, <laughs> they're not. They're either not going to live up to it, or they're going to be such a dirty person that you don't even yeah. want to see. Yeah. Him. He was so far beyond that. Yeah. He was extremely giving with information in the short period of time. And uh, I'm sorry, I, I, the way that I met him was through. I don't know if you remember uh, that Carlton Wilkinson, who is mm-hmm. who, uh, had a gallery in Nashville that was called mm-hmm. uh, In the Gallery. Mm-hmm. And that gallery was in Germantown. It was there. It was established for a long period of time. Um, he and Carlton's a photographer. Yeah, yeah, and that, uh, and he, he basically owned his family owned that building and owned that space. And he fought for a long time to get David Driscoll to come in and have a a, a solo show. And it was one of those things where I had heard about David Driscoll and heard about the work that he had done to bring forth. And under, not not to bring forth the artwork, but bring forth the understanding that the voices that made these works of art were right. important to listen to. Right. And once you actually get that, then it makes it real easy for people to come in and see those works of art as being valid and, and, and just as diverse as any other group of people that were creating the works. Mm-hmm. So when I came through the doors and I saw this, I mean, kind of small, gentle man that uh, kind of just walked through the space. It was almost like you wouldn't have even known that he was there. Um, but when I spoke with him, everything that he was willing to put on the walls, he was willing to give that information to, to me who had never met a day in his life. Mm-hmm. So to know that he has a, a, a building named after him and, and, and an idea named after him with the Driscoll Center in mm-hmm. Maryland, is something that is necessary for we as black people, um, but necessary for we as Americans and Mm -hmm. necessary for us as just human beings to say, if we're going to get a fullness of a story, then we need to put his ideas and the work that he did in the context of the fullness of the story of art as opposed to kind of putting it in a kind of in a corner. And, yeah. and he was, uh, it was just amazing. The, 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 the life that he led there being connected to Fisk. And I mean, it's almost like you're putting these puzzle pieces together to get a fullness of this person. And then you find out he was just down the street from you for, yeah. for the longest time. And then to know that that information, I mean, I'm seeing this person that I met in books and I'm seeing him in, videos and there's biographies so it's almost like i'm getting bits and pieces of who the real person was to get a fuller understanding of what he was attempting to do to establish these stories of black artists is just it's it's kind of mind-boggling to know that he he spent that much time to be successful in pulling i mean the stories from us and putting them together so yeah. we need more David Driscoll's. I know there's plenty more out there, but uh, I, I mean, I kind of feel like he is the, the true father of that aspect of, of uh, African-American art. Yeah, for that's sure, the best way sure. that I can put it. Yeah. And I think mm-hmm. you make a good point about, about the idea of, um, of, you know, at, you know, from your own perspective of like, you know, uh, I'm doing Sam Dunson's art. I'm not doing, you know, uh, Kehinde Wiley's art. You know what I mean? I'm right. not doing, right. I'm not doing David Driscoll's art. I'm doing my own thing. You know what I mean? Um, and that there's a, there's a 
you know, a difficulty where from the outside it can turn into like, here's a show of black painters, you know, what <laughs> yeah, I mean? right. or here's a show yeah. of women painters, you know, and, <laughs> and that's, it's an interesting conundrum because it's, it's, there's a, there's a book I read. I can't tell you the name of the author right off the top of my head, but it's a newish book came out a few years ago. It's called curatorial activism. And it's about this idea that curator cur curators, you know, according to this author, she felt that, that uh, diversity and inclusion was like, like the first priority of curators. Like she felt mm. like that should be the thing they're addressing right now, maybe above all else. And with that in mind, she offered, you know, like a handful of different ways that might go down. And, uh, and she talked about this idea of like, you know, the all women's exhibition, which we see tons of nowadays, you know, <laughs> or, you know, the exhibition of the, you know, uh, North Nashville muralists at, uh, at Fisk, which wasn't, I mean, at, uh, Frist, which wasn't all black artists, but was uh, primarily black artists because they're coming from this primarily black neighborhood right. by the, mm -hmm. which is defined by these historically black, uh, universities. So, so, um, she talks about that and says like, you know, that it's kind of a double-edged sword because on one level it's good because on one level, now you're getting these people into the university spaces, into the, you know, the gallery spaces at universities, into the gallery spaces at museums, into the commercial galleries and all these different things. And it's not so good because at the end of the day, just like you're saying, m nearly every artist doesn't want to be the woman artist or the black artist. They just want right. to be the artist. Or right, the, na right. the Nashville artist, the Tennessee artist, you know, you just want to be an artist, you know? And, and so I think it's, I think, it, you know, it's, it's, it's a difficult thing. And, and you hope that to the degree that we're in that space right now, where it's, you know, these, these shows that are, that are sort of dedicated to, to different groups, you hope that it evolves quickly and we get to a place where it, the, we just have diverse art shows, you know what I yeah. mean? And, yeah. or we have shows that are somehow, you know, defined in other ways that just happen to also be shows that, you know, uh, are primarily, you know, uh, by a certain gender or a certain, uh, you know, group of, you know, people of color or whatever it might be, but it's not, but it's not specifically based on any of those identity things. Cause we're ultimately just trying to show art. That's really good. And that's what, right. uh, and that's why people want to be on the wall. It should be just about styles. It should be about styles and effect, right? Like it's so yeah. every style is born of a, uh, culture and um, you know, something very organic that led to this this style. Mm -hmm. So if if things were just concerned with just like I don't know how how does this grouping of uh, paintings make me feel or I don't know make it mm -hmm. more uh, abstract as opposed to uh, mm -hmm. and then you'll naturally actually I think have representation because yeah. that is important um, but not necessarily through the initial prism of the pre pre disposed sort of uh, notion of diversity uh, it's like it's a it's a weird thing to even like language doesn't even really address this very right. well and, and also like as a white male it's sort of like oh well this is really interesting you know it's a i find this a very, very compelling <laughs> it's it's extremely tricky because um it's it is we're i'll put it this way we're in this kind of gray area mm. where we're it's needed, and then we're kind of moving out at a time where it, it may not be needed the way that it was before. So we mm -hmm. were actually going into a point where why would we actually have shows of Black artists? And it was just what, what Joe was saying earlier, because that wasn't really an option. I mean, mm -hmm. there weren't that many options or opportunities for Black artists to show in 
quote unquote, full on art galleries and museums and shows. Uh, and I, I mean, a side note, I will say that that's one of the good things that David Driscoll did in the show that I saw was he, yes, it was black artists, but it was meant to show the diversity within the black scope. Right. And so it was almost like, yes, okay, we're going to put all of these artists together. And yes, they all happen to be black, but look at all of the, all of the stories that are being told and the ways that they're being told is completely different. Mm -hmm. So if the, the, the only issue that I have with it is that when a curator does say that we are having a show for black artists, a lot of times it's already predetermined what those works should look like. Oh, so yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. It's, yeah. it's almost like, okay, is it music? Is it showing slavery? You picking cotton? Is it showing this? Is it showing that? And so we need far more diverse mm -hmm. ideas with the curators mm -hmm. to say, that's not just, that's not the only stories that are being told right. by black artists. So I, it's, I'm, in the, I'm on the fence with that as well. So I'm like, okay, I have no problem with a show that has uh, all black artists in it, but are you allowing for those artists to speak their story or is uh -huh. there already a predetermined idea what those works should look like? Uh -huh. If it is, if it is, if that's predetermined, then I'm not for it. I mean, I'm right. like, okay, then you're now telling, you're now doing what the army, what the galleries have done to, black artists for the longest time saying, well, you got to fit this mold if you want to get in here. Uh, right. If you don't fit this mold, if you're a non-representational or a, a uh, I guess you would say an installation artist, or if mm. you're a, an abstraction or a post-impressionist black artist or an expression, then no, you don't fit this because you're not saying what we think you need to say as a black artist. Right. Then I'm like, no, no, that, we got to, Right. It's like, like, it's like Miles Davis. That. It's like Miles Davis and his whole thing about he would just be like, I'm not going to Uncle Tom. I'm not going to. Yeah. You yeah. know what I mean? And I, I, yeah. I yeah. that was that was the first point where I kind of realized that when I was reading his wild autobiography. But like, you know, when I, when I was a teenager, <laughs> it's you one know, of the craziest I, books of all time. It really is. To read that. <laughs> uh, there's so many expressions that it's he insane. had that I just cannot. Uh, I, I, OK, I'll just say this one, even though it's on YouTube. But uh my favorite one that he had was he was talking about like back, I think it was probably in the forties or fifties, early days, but uh, of his, you know, he was basically talking about like, you know, they would say like, people look clean. You look clean as a mother, you know, like, <laughs> but, he would, but they would say clean as a broke dig dog. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, this is why I'm reading Miles Davis's book. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm picking was, up gold he here. Sharp, man. He was sharp as hell. <laughs> On that note, Brian, I think we're yeah, yeah. about wrapped up. We've done about an hour. No, no, no. We're just we're just getting warmed up, man. Come on. Man. Oh my god. Uh, did I? Is that oh, like the, is that a, is that like the fastest way to kill a podcast? Is to yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Miles Davis. We should do a Miles Davis quote every week. Oh my god. It'll, uh, man. Well, so I mean, is there anything that you feel like uh, in terms of uh, your your time here, Sam? That you feel like, man, I really would like to press this or talk about this or anything else that you feel like that we should get to that maybe we just haven't yet. Because I mean, I've got time, you know. Oh, I mean, I, I'm I'm Joe honestly, does it. I'm I'm always I'm always <laughs> just ready to roll with whatever yeah. whatever comes up, and I, yeah, I yeah. just want to I just want to say that uh, in the end. Um, I mean, kind of since we were talking about the idea of, of, of black artists and, and ideas and so on and so forth, um, we just need to understand that 
the idea of art itself is the idea of the unknown. I mean, it's the the idea of telling one story through visual means. And if you're telling your story truthfully and honestly, then your work will move. And I'm not talking about move into galleries or move into being sold or anything. It'll move out of you in order to make space for something else. Um, so I'm always wanting to make connections with other artists, with other people. And I love the idea of the diversity of us as black people. And I love having connections with, with us so that we can get together and understand what we're supposed to be doing in this, in the whole grand scheme. And mm -hmm. if we understand that we can come together and actually move things forward, then you're going to see things begin to change and galleries will start to see things differently. And I, I'll, I'll put it like this. Uh, and then I'll, I'll, I'll have a <laughs> to ramble on. Um, uh, the the idea, let's say, of, of black horror movies has changed uh, because of, of uh, uh, I always want to say the wrong name, of Jordan Peele. Jordan Peele, yeah. So it, it's almost like the idea of a, of, a, of a black person in a horror movie, you know that guy was, or that girl was going to get killed within the first few minutes. <laughs> <laughs> but allowing a black person to tell a horror story to black people in a way that might be a little bit different has opened up the entire genre. And we're seeing uh, Lovecraft country on HBO, HBO because of all these things that have happened. So if those same things happen in other uh, kind of visual means of art, it's, it's happened in music all the time, but I mean, there still could be I mean, some that works through that. But the idea of seeing visually seeing black people do things a little bit differently can't help but to grow the idea of what we are as a people and as what we are as Americans. And then I think America as a whole can kind of benefit from those things as well. hundred percent, yes. man. So your yeah. show, your show black flower is at uh, our a broken. Is it, it's black flower at yeah. um, I'm thinking of the movie, a broken flowers. <laughs> <laughs> your show black flower is at Rhymer right now, virtually. So anybody who's listening to the podcast can go check out the show. And yeah. um, uh, it's, it's really something else. It's really beautiful. It's sculpture and um, uh, also painting. And, um, and also too, I mean, people can connect to your own, your website and see your videos. Can't they? Cause your videos are yes. amazing. Stan, Stan's done these really incredible stuff. <laughs> stop motion videos that you know you've really it's really interesting because I, I sort of introduced you as primarily a painter and that's you know, i think of you that way because that's what that's primarily all you were doing when i first you know became aware of your work and met you but yeah. uh, over the years man you've just really opened it up and 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 it's interesting because all the work you do is still so dunsonian <laughs> so oh like, man i got the iain on it <laughs> i feel like it's i feel like it's really great that you you you, you find a way to speak your language and your aesthetic no matter what medium you're involved in. And we love that here at the Art Fight Podcast. We're all about the multimedia thing. So, so it, it's been a pleasure, man, to have you on. I'm so glad we finally got a chance to have this conversation. I'm glad Me we too. waited till, till you had some work to, to, to share and to tell our, our viewers about. And, yeah. um, and it's great. It's great to talk to you. We, like I said, we've had all these young kids on here, you know, all these, these, these oh. young North National kids. But you know, this whole time, it's like, yeah, we'll talk to Sam. We'll get the real story from Sam. <laughs> Still hey. feels strange, man. <laughs> yeah. I, I appreciate Joe that you're trying to wrap up this one, wonderful episode. Um, <laughs> that we've got in touch on it, but I just okay. thought it would come up organically, and it didn't. 
you said you got Khabib. Oh yeah, here we go. You got to talk about that. We got so so Sam, give us. I, I, it doesn't matter how little or much you follow MMA. Um, uh-huh. We would like the artist take on Khabib versus Gaethje, and what do you think uh, about it? How does it strike you? What what you know? Give us like your completely unprepared breakdown of this. <laughs> I will say, I'll put it like this. I was back when like uh, the Gracie family Mm -hmm. was like at the very beginning and the whole idea where you would get a guy who was uh, 600 pounds, (laughs) 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 like like UFC one (laughs) and to see, and to see the, the, the movement to almost have it like take the place of boxing now Mm -hmm. is something that has, like I never thought that boxing would be kind of not passe, but eclipsed by another kind of uh, martial art, mm-hmm. for lack of better words. Mm-hmm. So to see Khabib, and I mean, I, I know that I, I, I'll be honest with you, I will not actually be able to watch it, mm-hmm. but to to know how. I'm trying to I'm trying to uh, to Wait, find the words. Something you, you can't put it on in your house because you'll get shut down. Like what? <laughs> you, you can't watch. <laughs> it's not that I can't. I know that I, I know that I, I more than likely I have a tendency to watch things. After I mean I, I don't know why it is live things somehow. You'd rather watch irritate it. me a little bit for yeah. some reason. I don't know what that is in me. I, I don't watch a lot of live things. I think the last live um, UFC fight that I can't even think of the last one that I've watched live. Mm-hmm. In fact, I, I'd be lying to say that I've, I've watched a lot of them. 50 years of watching commercials makes anybody, anybody <laughs> not watch. <laughs> yeah. Right? It's mostly commercials. How much <laughs> Precious existence, time-wise, aggregate over my life, have I spent <laughs> that I didn't want to watch? It's so it's done. a it's a control thing for me. It's yeah. the idea that if uh, if I can actually fast forward and rewind something, I have a tendency to be more in it than knowing that I have no control over what's going to happen within the next few. And I don't know why I like hearing the the who has the hand in the air. Mm-hmm first and then going and watch how they got to that point. Yeah. I don't know yeah. why that is, but yeah. I mean, I, I'll be honest with you. I do believe that Khabib is going to take, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of a fan of his after the, the whole, uh, um, how am I not remembering people's names right now? Conor McGregor. Yeah, that's what I exactly. That's exactly what after. I don't know why I wanted, wanted somebody to shut <laughs> Conor McGregor. Know, right? yeah. <laughs> All of our listeners know why you wanted that. Everybody knows. <laughs> I mean, I, 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 I love the bravado. I mean, and that's the strange thing. I love the bravado. Um, and I love a person that goes to someone and says, here's what I'm going to do to you. Uh-huh. And I mean, if you can't stop it, then, Hey, I, I'm, I'm going to be the, the winner in the end. Uh, but the fact that Khabib, I mean, like choked him out. Was like, I was, yeah, like it was beautiful. I was like, all right. I was like, I was completely fine with it. I mean, and and it, uh, and, and that's it, it's kind of made me. I don't know his history as much, but I, I, I I'm kind of following the 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 idea that I I want him to win 
yeah. uh, more as opposed to less. I'll put it that way. Well, that's about as good. That's about the, That's about as. That's as good as any guess in terms of placing a bet that I've ever heard. So, <laughs> it's like it's such a crazy sport. Yeah, it is most definitely. I mean, I, I do like the fact that that uh, there there is a, a little more of a melding. And I think this is one thing that I, I like watching uh, the combat sports quite a bit because they've they've gotten past the point where it is not as much of a, a freak show as it was before, and I like that aspect of it. Uh, but I do like the idea of this, I mean, almost like a cross pollination mm-hmm. where you still have the wrestlers and you still have the grapplers and you still have the stand up, I mean, like boxers, but they have to know. And I think that's the thing that I love about it. They have to understand the other, uh, martial arts in order to defend them. I mean, mm-hmm. in order to have some sense of defense, then you have to understand how you have to understand enough of that and still having everything that 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 makes you a wrestler or I mean, or a boxer or a grappler or a jujitsu. I mean, whatever. If you don't know how to stand up and fight or if you don't know how to block or if you don't know how to uh, sort of get off your back or right. I mean, if, if you don't know all the, a little bit of all of that. Then you're going to go down faster than you than you can stand up. So I mean that aspect of it has has been something that I watch more than the actual individual fighters more than anything else. Yeah. Uh, so that's the part that's the part that I love more than anything. Yeah. yeah, that's the part that we love too. I just love this the evolution, like you say, from back in the day and the way the way it was all just this disparate, all these various people from all these different universes almost, and then the yeah. way it's it, yeah. it all came together, and then it just like all of a sudden there's like another level and another level. And now we're like, we're like at some crazy level now where you've got guys who are just like, they're just fighters and they can do all that stuff. And it just becomes about their own style with it. You know what I mean? And, uh, yeah. And, and this should be a really interesting contest and it's, it's, it's fun. It's good. I'm glad I'm, it's really fun to talk to you about this, Sam, because I feel like, you know, we, we were primarily having an art discussion today, but you really do know a lot about it. And, and that's your, you, you appreciate it for the same reasons we do. And I think that's, that's really the heart of the whole podcast here is that, you know, it's a struggle to make art and in the struggle of fighting, you see a lot of creativity and, uh, and, you can appreciate both. It's the and the discipline too. Yeah, 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 yeah. most definitely, man. Most yeah. definitely. I hope your students are listening. Yeah, <laughs> right. hey, uh, hey, uh, Joe, Joe, maybe maybe Sam is the one that we pair with Robin Black for that episode we want to do. Oh, maybe. Yeah, we've got a, a friend of ours who's a, um, an analyst, an MMA analyst. He does a lot of oh, media wow. for Bellator and stuff. And and he's he was talking to us about one the next time he comes on. He was saying, "Why don't you have me on when you're talking to one of these creative people sometime?" And I'd oh. love to talk to them because Robin's uh, Robin's actually a, a a rock musician in his past and stuff. So he's he's got a creative arts past, but also was like a taekwondo fighter and things like that. Man. So, yeah. So Sam, and I mean, a philosopher. He's essentially a philosopher. Yeah. He's also a spirit animal, but that's a different yeah. discussion. <laughs> yeah, yeah, two yeah. episodes ago for that. People. <laughs> yeah. so a Renaissance man that'll knock you out. Yeah. yeah exactly. Right. <laughs> like like he's he, he's got. Like, and if you think about it, like Robin is one of those people that you would think he would already have like a strain of weed named after him or something. <laughs> like, doesn't he? But but he but he doesn't because 
It's called hot lava. It's right. That's right. But you know, there's certain personality types. You're like, that guy's going to have a strain of weed named after him. At some point. Like that's, that's like the new cultural metal. I know. You, know? you have to have a crypto coin and a strain of weed. <laughs> so that, means, that means you've made it. That's right. Yeah. Now you're famous. Um, hey, Joe, real quick. Uh, while I've got you on. How do you pronounce this artist's name? Eves Tenge. Yeah. I think. This is a, a, a catalog that people on the audio version can't see, but it's a catalog for a, a show from back in the early 80s or some retrospective and from Paris. But I, I brought this on because real quick, Sam, I just wanted to like, I feel like there's notes in here. There's like sort of, there's something to this type of surrealism and composition mm. that that made, it's, it's the weirdest parallel in terms of, it's kind of like if you hear somebody's music and you're like that. I, I know it's weird, but it kind of sounds like Britney Spears. Like, oh, okay. But I'm not saying like that. This is what it is. But I was I, this inspired me enough to pick it up today when I was seeing your work for your new exhibition. Man. And and then this, and I was like, wow, there's some sort of parallel universe here that I haven't figured out yet. But there's just something about these compositions and the the surreal uh, <laughs> that evokes the same. I don't know. There's something. There's some thread there. That's uh, I'm I'm trying my best and I've said it to a number of people. So you're about the fourth person I've said it to. So now it means I have to kind of keep up with it. I'm uh. trying to understand space differently. Uh. And I, I think uh, that's one of the things that a lot of people don't talk about in relation to kind of the surrealist artists or uh, that idea of the mastery of space that they had to kind yes. of put you in, put you in kind of a, a different, <laughs> an almost strange place when you're when you're kind of experiencing the work um and i'm trying to understand space differently so that not so much that, that i can actually become more of a surrealist artist but that control of space allow will, may allow me to kind of manipulate the idea uh of the person or the audience that i'm actually uh showing the works to so yeah. I, I mean it, it may uh that may lead me into some some strange areas myself. Yeah. <laughs> so. That's all an artist needs is another wormhole of curiosity. Yeah, right. yeah. I got about Here fifteen go. wormholes in my pocket right now. So. <laughs> right. All right. Well, Joe, uh, Joe, you want to send us out? Uh, wh where do people find out about this uh, the the virtual show? And then, by the way, side note, please somebody figure out a word besides virtual. Like in the eighties, we had like <laughs> everything was like cyber, and that sounded cool, right? right? But virtual just sounds like half ass at this point. So somebody's got to figure out that word. I'll get uh, on that. Yes. But anyway, I am. Your show is far from half ass. I don't mean to. Uh, uh, it's it's whole ass. But, <laughs> but virtual I'll, I'll, will have a problem. I'll be okay with uh, with three quarter ass. Yeah. Right. <laughs> That's right. Uh, so so where's the uh, where's the path to participation for this? So oh. you need to go to oh, uh, the the Gallery, R-Y-M-E-R gallery.com. That's mm -hmm. where the website is. Is that correct, Sam? That's what I'm seeing yes. online here. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And and you can follow Sam. You're at uh, Sam Dunson Art on Instagram. Is that right? It's actually uh, just Dunson Art. Oh, D-U-N-S-O-N-A-R-T on Instagram. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, and, and I love following your Instagram because you know Sam's one of those artists who, like, when he's involved in making work and doing a show, you're always sharing little bits and pieces of what's going on. So it's really fun <laughs> to keep up with him. There. <laughs> then uh, the only other thing I think uh, is uh, with the in order to see the like the videos and all of that is just uh, SamuelDunson.com. 
Okay, cool. I got to update that website too. I've been a little bit lazy on that. So. But the videos are there. Okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll set you up for another uh, visit to us, hopefully sooner than later, and uh, we'll make it a critique or whatever you want. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Everybody bring their own artwork in. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Uh, something like a roast. No, but uh, you know, I really, really appreciate the time, uh, Joe. Your your glasses shadow right now is. I mean, this is unbelievable. I know. I, mean, I was talking about surreal. I got my. I got my. I, all I had the only light I had going on here. If you guys are watching the video, the only light I have is the window, and the sun's gone down. <laughs> I can't, I gotta get up and walk across the room to turn the light on. So I'm just like, oh, I'm and now I look like I'm look like I'm the scary movie host. Yeah. I'm like tonight. <laughs> <walk with the laughs> zombie. <laughs> All right. Well, and so if you're one of the audio listeners, now you need to start subscribing to our channel and getting on the video so you can see this kind of ridiculousness yeah, from our, from our, from our yeah. with the zombie. <laughs> In a world. <laughs> In a world. <laughs> All right. Well, we're gonna yeah. play the we're gonna to play the outro here and we're going to get out of here thanks everybody uh we appreciate thanks, it everybody. thank you sam thank you joe thank you all so much we'll try and, to uh, some kind of way to do like a halloween theme next week brian i don't know <laughs> but it'll yeah be i think halloween show i think it's just you staring into a camera for 60 minutes just <laughs> let's do it. Yeah, that's all it is Khabib. let's not make it more complicated than it needs to be <laughs> thanks everybody all right. Oh, All right, guys, hang on. We'll see each other in the green room after uh, the outro here. See you guys later. Right. Thanks for listening, Thanks, everybody. everybody. See you next week. Okay, guys, I love the Art Fight podcast, and I listen to every episode even though I am a robot trying to sound like an actual person. I know it takes a lot to keep the podcast going. How can I help? Go to anchor.fm forward slash Art Fight Podcast. Click on the button, the big old button that says support this podcast. And once you get there, you'll have three options. You can just choose the lowest level. You're going to pledge 99 cents a month to, to our production and and help us out again anchor.fm forward slash art fight podcast click on support this podcast all right thanks everyone